You're listening to Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. I'm your host, Celeste A. Frazier. Today's episode is entitled First Cause. I'm not interviewing anyone today. It's me talking about my journey of being a mystic. Stay tuned. First cause is the topic today. Now I'm referring to the definition in the Science of Mind textbook, which is my reference for these kinds of matters. And the first definition for first cause is the cause of all things. This is important to remember. The cause of all things. The second definition is the uncreated from which all creation springs. That's trippy. To even try to conceptualize that there was nothing here except the something that makes everything. I can't even recall myself as being a fertilized egg in my mother's womb. I don't even remember being in my mother's womb. That experience feels so distant to me and so unfathomable, with one slight exception when I was in a workshop with Brother Ishmael Tete at a Revelations conference sometime in, maybe in the early 2000s. But even in that moment, I was connected, but not right now to the point where I can pull up a recollection easily. I would have to be still for a moment to even begin that journey of trying to remember my beginning. So here we are, you're listening, and it may be crazy for you to think that there was nothing and that this something then got busy. And what we see now is everything that is, and it hasn't stopped. Now in the library that I call, or that you call the Bible, in Genesis, the book of Genesis says, in the beginning was the word. And what that does for many people is to cause them to assume a word was spoken. Now, just because it says God said, doesn't necessarily mean that something was spoken through a voice. But I am presuming and accepting that it means that there was a voice that was not audible, but that the intention was the voice and it was putting forth its power. Now, this happens through us on a human level. We have a thought around an intention, perhaps it's something that we want to do or something that we want to be, someone that we want to be, something that we want to change, something that we want to have. Whatever it is, it's not in our present moment awareness and we are seeking to achieve it, to acquire it, to become it. When I was a kid, there was something I wanted to be. So I took the steps necessary to become the thing I wanted to become. You, for example, may want to have a mate. You take the steps necessary to become mate worthy or find the person or see the person and set the intention to try to be with that person by doing what you need to do to have this person in your life in that way. It must be a thought first before it's anything. 
and we may change our minds about our intentions. But nothing can be unless there is first something that preceded it with an intention to create. I've written poetry, plays, books, essays in different publications, or blogs. Each time something was driving me. And the mother, if you will, of everything, the mother of everything I created is something that lied within me before it could come out on paper, in the ethers, or on the internet, or however it shows up. This thing that I cannot even touch is leading me. It's leading me even to say certain things, things that I had no idea that I would say. I remember when that happened so clearly and profoundly and so powerfully, and it was the first time I considered becoming a minister. I was thinking about it when I was younger, but I didn't want to give up any fun. First, I wanted to be a movie star when I was less than five years old. Minister and movie star, eh, they didn't seem to really go together. I did become an actress, do movies and television, print. So that was me following up on an intention. And I still may from time to time do something around that. I got another intention that came up. I mean, I looked at Jesus, who was the ultimate minister, and he was crucified. I looked at Dr. King, Martin Luther King. I love what he stands for, but no, these people will crucify me. I went on in my life. I was creating things. I was performing as a child. I was modeling by 12 for the Milk Foundation. I had been in fashion shows doing recitals since I was three or four or dance. I was a performer at a relatively young age. I started getting acting roles and getting more serious about studying what that means. And I was following that career path. When I got involved in that, any thoughts of ministry fell by the wayside. It was about life making a living, doing what I needed to do. When my maternal grandmother died, somehow the veil lifted. I was already in spiritual studies. Somehow I had found myself at Agape International Spiritual Center in Culver City. I had a film deal out of Canada for four and a half million. I couldn't get U.S. distribution because it was about police brutality on black people and nobody wanted to make that movie in 1993. Now, 27 years later, there's hundreds of videos or thousands of videos about police brutality. Now people are starting to consider this to be important, but I digress. I was devastated not to be able to get U.S. distribution to lose the Canadian money that was contingent upon that. But someone invited me to come to Agape. Michael Bernard Beckwith wasn't there but Joan Stedman was. She said profound things that piqued my curiosity. I came back and heard Dr. Michael speak. I felt all the love of the community. I knew my soul was craving this, and I awakened to a new life path. I still wasn't convinced that I would be a minister. I wasn't ever planning to become a minister. I wasn't even planning to become a practitioner. I kept taking classes. I remember my foundation class, the very first class. There must have been about a hundred of us in that class. Reverend Nirvana Gale was the facilitator, and he asked us, why are you here? And somehow I answered, because God wants me to be. And he went, mm. And then I realized I said something deep. And I kind of didn't really know why I said that, but I kind of knew it was true at the same time. Well, Nirvana was a touchstone for various times when I've taken different steps toward my ministry, and he noticed in those moments, I can remember him paying attention. He's now in the invisible realm. But there's always been a keen awareness I've had of another aspect going on besides what is in my, my conscious mind. 
And I started noticing it more and more as I was at Agape, as I was taking classes. I was becoming a mystic more and more. What happens is something starts to take over my psyche. I could be awake or asleep. One night, I went to bed and it felt like I was dropping into a deep abyss. And it wasn't like a dream. It was really real. I felt like I was taken to the center of heaven. I made a conscious choice not to stay there. I needed to come back because I was not assured that I would be able to return to life as I knew it. Little did I know that ended up to be the case anyway. When I went back to class the next time, during the check-in with my pod, there was small groups after the main lesson has happened, I started saying things that I didn't know that I knew. And everyone in my pod was looking at me like I was saying something profound. And I was, and I knew I was, but I had no idea how I knew what I knew. I discovered in my rational mind that it wasn't my mind I was using. I was using the mind of God. It had given me access. It let me know that it was possible to use this mind at any given time. That was pretty amazing. So I kept taking classes and somehow the understanding of the truth principles came easily. I was drinking up Emerson like Ernest Holmes did. I got it. What he was saying was my essence. Emerson is about creativity, being true to yourself, creating your own life and not conforming to anything that anybody else said or did. Like somebody else's life cannot be your template. Be free to be you. That was what I had done prior to coming into any formal spiritual teaching, you know, aside from what I had been doing growing up and through college. This was on a different level. This was beyond beyond religiosity. I came to understand that there was kind of this sperm, if you will, that had been injected into my receptive soul. I gradually came to say yes to it. I spoke at my grandmother's funeral a little after I'd finished the foundation class and I started saying things that I hadn't written down. Something was happening to the people in the audience. They were locked in and their response was big. I knew something greater was happening. In fact, that weekend, I could feel that the veil had lifted. I could feel a communication with another dimension. And so after I finished my talk, and I'm pretty sure it might have been my grandmother's spirit speaking, because the ancestors do that. When I was leaving, somebody said, there goes the minister, and it startled me. I was just doing a family tribute. I wasn't doing any sermon. And that night, my mother told me that somebody said, is she going to be a minister? And I told them no. And I responded to her, Let's not say no just yet, because something had happened that I had no control over. And the energies of my ancestors kept me awake that night. So I knew that I was into something deeper than I signed up for, but it was still very present in my life. Because that happened, I put one step in front of the other to see where this would take me. When I was in new members class the year before, They showed us tapes and CDs about this advanced study. And they were from Holmes Institute, the ministerial school. But I wasn't interested in becoming a minister. I was interested in getting that information. It was like my soul was thirsting for that information. And I continued on my path. And yes, I did become a minister. That's why they call me Reverend Celeste. The more important part is that I said yes to this unseeable invisible something that has always been a part of me or that I've always been a part of. 
before I even knew it was there. Catechism aside, all of these different teachings in terms of religion aside, there was another dimension, and that is something that I was willing to explore. I was fascinated with this teaching. I jumped right into creating a center in Chicago. I pastored that for seven years. I took a moment and started guest speaking for about a year before accepting another pulpit. I stayed in that pulpit a very short time, and then I went back to guest speaking for a couple of years and writing my second book, Divine Workplay. And I started doing a tour of that when invitations started to come in for me to return to the pulpit. And I have. I spent two years in this last position. And in this time of the opportunities of coronavirus, I'm getting to really spend more time in the being rather than the doing. Pulpit ministry requires a lot of doing. And so there's a balance there that needs to be maintained in order for that to continue to be fulfilling. And so right now, I'm just enjoying the being because I'm so much more present with the presence, with the first cause. In this month of celebrating the Divine Father, I'm also very grateful for the Divine Feminine that is my mother. And it's her birthday today, Hallie Frazier. Happy 89th birthday when this podcast is being published on her birthday. And I give deference to my father, Freddie Frazier Jr., who's now in the invisible. They both have been very supportive of my journey as a minister. They were very afraid. They've been afraid of many things during my life because I had a way of following my internal compass rather than what they or anybody else wanted me to do. But I'm very grateful that they knew that I needed to be about the Father's business, as Jesus would say, and that they also got to benefit from who I am being and who I am becoming in the process. And so I'm grateful for my father and my mother. In this month of honoring the Father, I'm also choosing to know that the energy that is first cause is beyond gender. The definition that the Science of Mind textbook has for first cause says that it is both masculine and feminine. And that cause is the driving force. And the receptivity allows for this effect to come into being. That intermediary principle that allows is what we call the law in New Thought. This law of cause and effect is acting in our lives all the time. And you better believe it's happening with the coronavirus 2019. Nothing came out of the air that we as human beings are experiencing. Everything we are experiencing is because of the thoughts and the choices that we have made or the choices our fellow humans have made that we have allowed. Well, we'll talk about more about that in the next episode or in the episodes ahead. I may weave it through, but I thought it was pretty important for us to be with First Cause today. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. This poem I wrote is called The Slightest Ripple. Just the slightest ripple tells me that life, not loud, is quiet and perfect. 
The slightest ripple can be found in my book, In Spirit and Love, available to you on Amazon.com. Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Celeste A. Frazier, and this is Mystic Magic. We'll be back next week when my topic will be the father in the father. Please see our show notes for more information about what was discussed in today's episode at mysticmagic.buzzsprout.com. You can also subscribe while you're there. It doesn't cost anything. Please leave a review if there's anything that struck you or was of interest to you. And if this episode has been good for you, feel free to support the show. You can also find Mystic Magic at iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and a lot of other great podcast venues. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. <laughs>